0: Watch it together from here and then we'll get to the news conference or something like that. I didn't hear it exactly, but it's all yours, my friend. Have a great show. All right. Thanks, Connell. Have a great day. Let's actually keep those live pictures back up because we did get the two minute warning and hello and welcome to the Hill on News Nation, by the way. So under two minutes right now, uh, podium on the right, podium on the left, uh, President Biden, Vladimir Zelensky, the Ukrainian president, the president of the United States, as we've been uh, discussing, as they are about to essentially address the U.S. and address the world about this need, as they see it, to keep Ukrainian funding. Wide shot to the panel real quick. Hello to you all. Sherry Bustos, Dan Cannon, and May Melman. Ford O'Connell. We'll skip your titles. You're all important uh, because we don't have much time here. Back to the live shot uh, real quick. We'll get all your thoughts momentarily. But as I mentioned, we are expecting the president of the United States and Vladimir Zelensky. Look, this has been a full court press, uh, Dan, from the Ukrainian leader to, to get U.S. funding, essentially.
1: Yeah, and there's 106 billion dollars, as you mentioned, in a package for Ukraine, for Israel, for the southern border, and I think the Biden administration is going to yeah. make the case tonight that the time is now to move on that package so we can stop Vladimir Putin's tracks.
0: So that's what the Biden administration will say. I ask the question, and we can talk about this uh, throughout the show. We're going to dip in uh, live once the once the questions start coming. The way this normally works is they each make a statement, and and then they take two questions from the U.S. side. Two questions from the uh, Ukrainian side. May, Ford, where's the press conference about the southern border with the president of the United States, the DHS secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas, and the Mexican president?
2: Yeah, well, you don't even have to go to the southern border. Uh, President Biden couldn't be bothered to negotiate with the Republicans on Capitol Hill over the weekend. And so, yes, he has this $14 billion I want to help give pathways to citizenship in this large Un, you know, not paid for aid package, but there's no border security in there, and so that's what the Republicans are are hoping to see.
0: Right, just part of the scene uh, as President Biden starts to make this sales pitch to the American public. Let's listen in to the president, real quick. Uh, thoughts on the other
3: side? No one should forget that for you to be here today, again today, nearly two years later, and for Ukraine to be stand strong and free. Is an enormous victory already. Putin has failed, failed in his effort to subjugate Ukraine. The brave people of Ukraine have defied Putin's will at every turn, backed by the strong and unwavering support of the United States and our allies and partners of more than 50 nations, 50 nations in Europe and the Indo-Pacific. And Ukraine will emerge from this war, proud, free, and firmly rooted in the West, unless we walk away. The American people can be and should be incredibly proud of the part they played in supporting Ukraine's success. We'll continue to supply Ukraine with critical weapons and equipment as long as we can, including $200 million I just approved today in a critical needed equipment, additional air defense interceptors, artillery, and ammunition. But without supplemental funding, We're rapidly coming to an end of our ability to help Ukraine respond to the urgent operational demands that it has. Putin is banking on the United States failing to deliver for Ukraine. We must, we must, we must prove him wrong. The United States and Congress must, as I asked last week, and it's stunning that we've gotten to this point. You know, we need to fully appreciate, fully appreciate, how it's wrong, how this is being viewed around the world and being used by Russia. Russian loyalists in Moscow celebrated when when Republicans voted to block Ukraine's aid last week. The host of a Kremlin-run show literally said, and I quote, Well done, Republicans. That's good for us. End of quote. Let me say that again. This host of a Kremlin-run show said, Well done, Republicans. That's good for us. That's a Russian speaking. If you're being celebrated by Russian propagandists, it might be time to rethink what you're doing. History, history will judge harshly those who turn their back on freedom's cause. Today, Ukraine's freedom is on the line. But if we don't stop Putin, it'll endanger the freedom of everyone, almost everywhere. Putin will keep going. And would-be aggressors everywhere will be emboldened to try to take what they can by force. Mr. President, I'll not walk away from Ukraine, and neither will the American people. A clear bipartisan majority of people across the United States and in Congress support your country. They understand, as I do, that Ukraine's success and its ability to deter aggression in the future are vital to security for the world at large. And I have repeatedly made clear from our first day in office, we also need Ukraine to make changes to fix the broken immigration system here. We also need Congress to make the changes to fix the broken immigration system here at home. My team is working with Senate Democrats and Republicans to try to find a bipartisan compromise, both in terms of changes in policy and provide the resources we need to secure the border. Compromise is how democracy works, and I'm ready and offered compromise already. Holding Ukraine funding hostage in an attempt to force through an extreme Republican partisan agenda on the border is not how it works. We need real solutions. I also asked Congress for funding for Israel to take on Hamas and confront multiple other threats backed by Iran in the wake of the October 7th assault. National Security Advisor Sullivan will travel to the region this week and meet with the Israeli War Cabinet, as I have met with, to emphasize our commitment to Israel, as well as the need to protect civilian life and ensure more humanitarian assistance flows and reaches into Gaza for Palestinian civilians. Secretary Austin will also travel to the region this week to step up the international efforts to protect the free flow of commerce Through the Red Sea. The entire world is watching what we do. So let's show them who we are. America stands for freedom today, tomorrow, and always. America stands against tyranny and against oppression. And America stands with the people of Ukraine. Thank you again for being here today, Mr. President. And thank you for everything Ukraine is doing to hold the line for liberty in the world. The floor is yours, Mr. President. Thank you so much.
4: Thank you very much, Mr. President, dear journalists. I'm glad to be here and personally thank you and tell you how Ukraine values what we've achieved together defending life and freedom. In Ukraine, we are fighting for our country and freedom and also in Europe, we say for our freedom and yours. And this motto resonates not only in our country not only in our hearts, not only in Ukraine but also in Poland and Baltic states, Moldova and others. When freedom is strong in one country it is strong everywhere. When it burns in one soul it presents its merits to, to others. Ukrainians have twice Ukrainians have twice led revolutions this century, defending freedom. For nearly two years we've been in a full-scale war, the biggest, the biggest since World War II. Fighting for freedom, we stand firm. No matter what Putin tries, he hasn't won any victories. Thanks to Ukraine's success, success in defense, other European nations are safe from the Russian aggression, unlike in the past. Ukraine can now tackle the Russian dictatorship. So our children and other nations one have to shed their blood and sacrifice lives defending against Russian aggression. We've already made significant progress. We've shown that our courage and partnership are stronger than any Russian hostility. And we've freed 50% of the territories Russia occupied after February 24th. And we've won the Black Sea and are reviving our economy. Thanks to maritime exports, Ukraine's 5% economic growth this year proves our effective partnership. And we've shown no, no Russian missiles can overdo the powerful American patriot systems. Thank you very much. And even during war, we are reforming our country and strengthening our our institutions. Today President Biden and I discussed how to increase our strengths for next year, first air defence and destroying Russian logistics on Ukraine's land. Mr President, thank you very much for your supporting supporting us. And in these areas, like our victory in the Black Sea, we aim to win the air battle, crashing Russian air Dominance. This will this will intensify our ground advances in 2024 with our control of the skies. Who controls the skies controls the war's duration. And today I would like to thank, of course, for yet another significant defence package with our defenders. Value very much. Second, yesterday I met with American. American defense company leaders. They advised us on how to make our defense industries work faster and more effectively. Thank you, President Biden, for this important initiative. We started with you. Together, Ukraine and America can strengthen democracy's arsenal. And this is vital for other free nations and the U.S. as it involves your companies technologies and technology advancement and job creation. And it is important to know that two-thirds of American support for Ukraine remains and works in the United States. Third, I inform, Mr. President, that Ukraine has fulfilled all the recommendations of the European Commission regarding the preparation for a decision to start negotiations on Ukraine's accession to the uh, EU. And we constantly communicate with European leaders about our joint steps, sanctions, and political efforts to pressure Russia. American leadership is crucial. in keeping this unity together, a unity that serves the entire free world. And I thank America for new sanctions. And today we discussed Putin's further isolation and making him pay for his aggression. It's very important that by the end of this year we can send a very strong signal of our unity to the aggressor and the unity of Ukraine, America, Europe, the entire free world. Everything we talked about today will help us in the year 2024, today's discussions in the White House and in Congress, across both parties and both chambers, with a speaker, we are very productive. And I thank you for the bipartisan support. As we approach Christmas, on behalf of all our Ukrainian families, separated by war, and all sons and daughters on the front, Ukraine's greatest wish is to near this war's victorious end. No one no one but Putin wants, wants a prolonged war. We dream of a Christmas in a peacetime, of course. And we are working to turn our battlefield success into peace. And we are heading there together with you. And thanks, of course, to your support. Thank you very much, Mr. President. Thank you, America. Slava Ukraine.
3: Thank you. Look, uh, we're going to alternate asking questions. We're going to ask a total of each ask two questions, and I will ask the first question. Uh, I will ask. I will recognize the first question asker. <laughs> I'll ask a question to you all, uh But Danny Kemp.
0: Um, thank you, Mr. President. Um, for President Biden, um, Ukraine's counteroffensive has, uh, has stalled in recent months, uh, Congress is blocking aid, uh, and Vladimir Putin appears ready to just wait things out. Um, so what is the strategy for the US and Ukraine next year to try and turn this, uh, turn this around? And if that fails, uh, at what point do you say to Ukraine, as a friend, uh, that it is perhaps time to start looking at peace talks? And for President Zelensky, um, welcome back to Washington. Um, Can I ask you, did you uh, hear what you wanted to hear from Congress and from President Biden? Um, And or are you indeed more worried than when you got here? Thank you very much.
3: Well, let me uh, answer the question first. Let's put this in perspective. Remember how far Ukraine has come. Russia has failed, failed thus far in trying to erase Ukraine from the map and uh, subsume it into Russia. Ukraine has taken back more than 50% of its territory seized since February of 22. And it's pushed back Russian, the, the Russian Navy so Ukraine can export grain and steel to the world through the Black Sea. And thanks to the incredible courage of the Ukrainian people and the bipartisan support from our Congress, but it's not just American support. There are more than 50 countries, 50 countries helping Ukraine with military, economic and humanitarian assistance fifty. The burden sharing, the US has put up seventy five billion dollars, and our allies and partners have put up one hundred billion dollars. And more than ninety percent of our security assistance to Ukraine is being spent in the United States to provide weapons for Ukraine and replenish our stockpiles and build our industrial base. We need to ensure Putin continues to fail in Ukraine and Ukraine to succeed. And the best way for that to do that is to pass the supplemental.
4: Yeah. Yeah, get an answer in Ukrainian, please. <clears throat> First of all,
5: I would like to add uh, to the words of Mr. President uh, Biden
4: uh, about successes. I think that uh, these were not easy
5: successes. Nonetheless, they were quite serious. They were serious steps forward. Indeed, we gained victory on the sea. We destroyed ships of the Russian Federation. We threw the Remnants of their fleet to Russian territorial waters. Yes, yeah, they uh, have something uh, in the Black Sea, uh, in the vicinity of our temporarily occupied Crimea. But we are going to proceed this activity. Our guys destroyed 20,000 of Wagner mercenaries. These are serious terrorists who were massing everywhere on African continent in Syria, in Ukraine. There were a lot of mass and. Nucleus of this terroristic organization is not existing anymore. Yes, we had a lot of uh, problems, but nonetheless, we were able to do this. Moreover, Russia were not able to seize any part of our territory, any village, any town. I am not talking about large cities, and we are going to proceed with this. It is good without saying that we have objective, we have a clear plan. But if you allow me... I am not able to tell you in public on the details of 2024 operations. If I heard what I want, I heard a lot. Surely I told what I wanted to. I feel and experience this support from President Biden administration, uh, from Senators, and we've been talking with the Speaker. I got this signal. They were more than positive, but we know that we have to separate worlds, and particularly Result. Therefore, we will count on particular results. Thank you.
3: Your turn to
4: ask a question. Yeah, sorry. Correct. No, yes.
5: Inter, please.
4: Oh, thank you for taking my question. Dmitry Anopchenko, Ukrainian television, U.S. correspondent. Uh, many Republican voices doubt the ability of Ukraine to win the war. Uh, Senator once, um, recently, even told that Ukraine need to cede some territories to stop fighting. Pana Volodymyr, uh, to be very honest, have you even considered the, such a step to cede the territories to stop fighting? And Mr. Biden, could you please clarify the policy and of your administration, the strategy of your administration on Ukraine? Is it about helping the country to defend itself or to win the war? Because it's obviously such a difference. I will begin? Okay. So, first question to me. So, uh, the,
5: your question is, if we are ready to give up our territories?
4: Mm. The question is not
5: only about our words or thoughts. The question is about for what we are ready and for what we are not. How... Ukraine is able to give up its territories. That's insane, to be honest. We are mentioning God very often, that's not about Christianity. We have our people there, we have our families there, we have children there. That's part of Ukrainian society, and we are talking about human beings. They are being under tortures, they are being raped, and they are being killed. And those voices, which offers to give up our territories, They offer, as well, to give up our people. That's not a matter of territory, that's a matter of lives, of families, of children, of their histories. I don't know whose idea it is, but I have a question to these people, if they are ready to give up their children to terrorists. I think no. We
3: want to see Ukraine win the war, and uh, as I've said before, winning means Ukraine is a sovereign, independent nation and uh, that can afford to defend itself today and deter further aggression. That's our objective. Uh, Trevor Reuters. Reuters.
6: Thank you, sir. Um, First, a question for both of you. Given the Republican skepticism of the Ukraine effort, do you worry that a second term for President Trump would be the uh, end of an independent Ukraine? That's for both of you. And then for you, uh, President Biden, um, just an update, if you could, on the the situation in Gaza, uh, on the reports that Israel has begun flooding Hamas tunnels, um, and just the, the offensive in southern Gaza generally, how long do you think that operation should last? Thank you.
3: First of all, with regard to uh, political support for Ukraine, there is a strong bipartisan political support for Ukraine. Small number of Republicans who don't want to support Ukraine, but uh, they don't speak for the majority, even the Republicans, in my view. We're in negotiations to get funding we need, not to promise, uh, not, not making promises, but hopeful we can get there. I think we can. You're right. The world's watching what we do. We'd just send a horrible message to an aggressor and allies if we walked away at this time, and it would hurt our national security. Do you want me to answer the other question as well, with regard to to? Say it again. Sorry, so the the
6: question was just um, if you could talk a little bit about the Gaza operation, Israel flooding Hamas tunnels, and if you've had conversations with uh, Bibi Netanyahu about how long that operation should last.
3: Well, I have had conversations with Bibi Netanyahu, and uh, and, uh, I want to make sure that uh, we don't forget uh, what we're doing here. We have to support Israel because they're an independent nation that's being... I mean, the brutality, the inhumanity, the way in which Hamas treated the Israelis and, I mean, raping and burning and beheading, I mean, just just beyond comparison, beyond comparison. And uh, to anything else that I've seen since I've been here and I've been around for a long time. But I think that uh, we have made it clear to the Israelis and are aware that the, independent, the, the safety of innocent Palestinians is still of great concern, and so the actions they're taking must be consistent with attempting to do everything possible to prevent innocent Palestinian civilians from being being hurt, murdered, killed, lost, etc. And uh, look, um, it doesn't uh, lessen their responsibility going after Hamas to innocent Palestinians and, and, uh, and Hamas. Uh, look, we have a responsibility to protect citizens and ensure they have access to humanitarian assistance. That's why I've worked so hard with our Arab friends as well as the Israelis to get humanitarian assistance into Israel, literally getting up to 140 trucks loaded with gear, loaded with food, loaded with everything that is needed by the Palestinians, including fuel. So, you know, Israel has stated its intent to fulfill these responsibilities. Uh, It's very difficult. With regard to the flooding of the tunnels, uh, I'm not — well, there is assertions being made that there's quite sure there are no hostages in any of these tunnels, Uh, but I don't know that for a fact. I do know that though every civilian death is an absolute tragedy, and Israel stated its intent, as I said, to uh, to match its uh, its words with uh, its intent with, word, with actions. That's why uh, that's why I was that's what I was talking about today. Question three. I uh, guess I asked that. No, I just asked that.
4: It's your My turn. turn. Your turn. Yeah. So,
5: addressing your question very quickly, uh, I've been talking a lot with representatives of both parties, Uh, both Democrats and Republicans uh, proved uh, full pledged support, and we will see, but before this we've always been trusting in support of our strategic partner, the United States, and we will consider that it will continue in this way, and Ukraine will not remain alone terrorist against terrorist. such a critical Terrorism. terrorist as the Russian Federation?
4: Uh, Ukraine Forum. Thank, you. Thank you so much. Uh, my name is Yaroslav Dovopoul, Ukrainian Forum News
2: Agency, Ukraine. Next summer, uh, the United States will host uh, uh, an anniversary NATO summit, summit in Washington, D.C., which raises a lot of hope especially for Ukraine. Uh, President Zelensky, uh, what does the Ukrainian side expect from this summit? And uh, do you hope to hear direct invitation for Ukraine to join the alliance? And uh, President Biden, under what conditions is the United States ready to support the initiative of inviting Ukraine to be a member, member of NATO? Thank you.
4: Thank you for your question. Um, I will answer very quickly on this very complicated question. We are not allies till now. We are not we we are allies, but we are not members members of NATO. So that's why I think I will pass this question to (laughs) our big friend, President Biden.
3: Look. I'm very proud of how strong and unified nato has become and now it's even larger i uh putin wanted the finalization of nato when i met with him in uh, in uh, in geneva right after i was elected and he's gotten the natoization of finland instead and nato will be in ukraine's future no question about that but As we said in Vilnius, Ukraine will become a member of NATO when all allies agree and conditions are met. Right now, we have to make sure they win the war. And, uh, you know, we launched a joint declaration of support alongside President Zelensky and the G7 leaders in Vilnius, outlining a long-term commitment to supporting Ukraine's defense needs. We also hosted a defense industry conference last week here in DC to get that critical work done. So it's a step at a time. Thank you all very very much. This concludes.
7: The, thank you everybody. Thank you everyone. This concludes the press conference. Thanks everybody. Thanks everybody.
0: For about the last twenty six minutes, you have been watching live with us here on the Hill on News Nation. Those two world leaders, President Biden, Vladimir Zelensky of Ukraine making their pitch here in Washington, in the middle of the White House, as to why the U.S. should give more aid to the area of some $60 billion to Ukraine. And it is one of the big questions right now here in Washington. How does that happen? And what does that look like? Hello, and thank you for being with us here on the Hill. If you weren't with us for the first couple minutes of the show before that started, uh, Sherry Bustos, former Democratic Congresswoman, of course, from uh, the state of Illinois, Dan Cannon, former uh, Obama campaign official, Mae Mailman, former attorney in the Trump White House, Ford O'Connell, former Trump campaign surrogate. Hello, hello. Hello.
1: Hello. Hello. There you go.
0: (laughs) Uh, Nice to see you. So obviously a pretty big consequential consequential moment in the sense of as we were talking about momentarily. This is a hundred billion dollar pitch, right? Sixty billion or so for Ukraine, fourteen billion for Israel, fourteen billion for the southern border. And what you just heard, and let's start with uh, Ford and May, was President Biden make the case that Republicans, some of them, are holding hostage aid, and he called it an extreme Republican border agenda. And one of the questions is, how do you get Ukraine aid with a border
8: aid at this point in time in Washington? It's not looking good. But Biden's delusional because he's not serious about the border. Border security is national security. He says Republicans need to support Ukraine because it's about freedom and national security. Well, these two things align. And also, when it comes to Ukraine, he is not being honest about the Republican position. He is walking us into a decades-long proxy war in Ukraine. And Ukraine is the most corrupt country in Europe. And what Republicans are saying, if we're going to spend this kind of money, because we've already spent $77 billion, if we're going to spend this kind of money, we want to know where it's going. Is it going to weapons? Is it going to propping up the government? Where is this money going? And and honestly, until he does something about fraudulent asylum claims and building the wall, this isn't going anywhere.
0: May I start the show by asking, you know, we just saw the press conference with Biden and Zelensky. We haven't seen a press conference down at the southern border with with Biden, Mayorkas, and, and AMLO.
2: Yeah, it doesn't Mexican seem president. to be a priority. And when you say $100 billion, it's much more than that, right? We're running a $33 trillion it's deficit, so every dollar is actually borrowed, so it's it's substantially higher. And if I was looking for answers out of today's press conference, I didn't receive them. I thought one of the good questions was, you know, it's kind of been a stalemate. You know, what does next year look like? Should they start talking about peace talks? And Biden went to his notes and, and tried to give some past-looking successes, those successes were from 2022. This 50% stat, we've gotten the 50% back. That's a 2022 talking point. There's no answer to what to, what to look forward
0: to. Dan Sherry, what did you hear uh, from the president, from the Democratic perspective? Did you, did you hear what you wanted? He said, Vladimir Putin has failed. He's banking on
1: U- the U.S. failing to deliver. And yeah, now is the time to get a deal done. And I think the thing the Biden administration is doing, the president's doing with Zelensky here in Washington and Zelensky's meeting with leaders on the hill, is creating conditions under which we have to get a deal done. What executives do is create the framework. We have national security package here. We've got Ukraine, Israel, and the southern border. There are details we worked out. I think there is room to negotiate. But that framework is set by the president. He's setting the conditions by which we have to get this done. And now is the time, because we can't wait for this Congress to get functional while Vladimir Putin runs over Ukraine and Hamas is threatening Israel. Does this move the needle?
7: Well, and as this news conference was happening, the bipartisan group in the Senate who's talking about border security and what's going to come out on this border deal came out and said, we're making progress. Mm. Um, I, I guess my question to what you guys were saying was, what is the price of freedom? I think a couple of the things that President Biden said, freedom is on the line and Putin will keep going. Mm. And, and, and that is there's a cost to that.
0: OK, uh, more to discuss here uh, on the Hill as, as again. You know, hearing from the president of the United States, the Ukrainian leader, by the way, for the third time here in Washington. And coming up, the top Republican senator said today will be nearly impossible to get a deal on funding for Ukraine and our southern border this year. So what comes next? What does it mean? By the way, we haven't even talked about Israel yet, right? There's 14 billion dollars there that the administration wants. Nothing has come out of Washington headed to the Middle East. Will it? Senator Roger Marshall, who has been on the forefront for Senate Republicans, joins us on the other side of the break. You're watching The Hill here on NewsNation.
1: 1-800-986-1748 to receive $1,000 off your Kohler walk-in bath and take advantage of our low monthly payment financing.
7: Red
2: Lobster's new lobster and shrimp celebration.
3: We got tails, shrimp, waiters. Potatoes, sausage, sombalses, cheddar bees, stuff and no
2: cut. Three lobster and shrimp entrees for a limited time.
8: Tasty. Attention, former Marines and family members stationed at Camp Lejeune. If you lived or worked at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina for at least 30 days from August 1953 through December 1987 and have been diagnosed with cancer, neurobehavioral effects, had a child born with birth defects, were diagnosed with fertility issues or more, you may qualify for significant financial compensation. Call Saddle Rock Legal Group now to discuss your case. It has been proven that the water at Camp Lejeune during those years was extremely contaminated with toxic chemicals. A new law passed by Congress now allows veterans and their surviving family members to bring lawsuits and potentially recover damages for harm from exposure to contaminated water at Camp Lejeune. Don't wait until it's too late. It only takes a few minutes and the call is completely free. Call Saddle Rock Legal Group to discuss your case now. Call 1-800-773-6677. That's
1: 1-800-773-6677. All
0: right, welcome back here to The Hill on News Nation. So we, of course, uh, just watched for about the last half hour or so President Biden Alongside the Russian leader uh sorry, the Ukrainian leader, Vladimir Zelensky, after uh Zelensky was here in town for a couple days, trying to secure, or at least trying to make his pitch for more US aid, potentially to the tune of some sixty. 60- Billion dollars. Joining us now is the Republican Senator Roger Marshall of Kansas, who has said he will not support any more U.S. funds going to Ukraine at this point in time. Senator, thank you for being back here on the Hill. I'm wondering if you can explain your position and, and what you think an eventual deal might look like that, that eventually involves some form of Ukrainian aid,
9: border funding and aid to Israel. Well, Blake, at the end of the day, Republicans aren't budging until we secure the border. That's the question that all America is asking Joe Biden right now. Why do Republicans have to beg Joe Biden to secure the border? That's part of his job. We've said all along, that if you want to tie securing the border to the Ukraine funding, so be it. He's the one that lumped these together, but now we have this once-in-a-generation opportunity to use Ukraine funding to leverage the border, and by golly, we're going to do it. I think if you so ask what are you the willing Republican to accept, senators, Senator? How they feel about Ukraine? Y- yeah. So I think it's important, though, that what it's going to accept is border security, meaningful border security. That means changing the policy. It means uh, remain in Mexico. It means changing the asylum policy. It means ending all this probation. It means building the wall, more Border Patrol officers. Uh, That's what it means. It means meaningful border security.
0: Uh, Your colleague, Senator J.D. Vance from Ohio, uh, on Ukraine over the weekend, suggested that maybe if, if there's some sort of a way forward on Ukraine. that that it would involve Ukraine giving some of its land to Russia. We just heard Vladimir Zelensky call that quote-unquote insane. Who do you side with, Uh, Vance
9: or Zelensky? The border. Look, we have to solve the border before we can solve that problem. But at the end of the day, I'm realistic here that there's been a stalemate in Ukraine for over a year. 200,000 people have died. The United States needs to be more focused on a peace treaty right now, whatever that looks like. But the idea of Ukraine going back to pre-Crimea, I just don't think that that's uh, realistic at all. Um, I I have empathy towards Ukraine. Again, you're going to get 49 opinions from Republicans on what to do with Ukraine. But meanwhile, this that discussion does even start until we secure the border.
0: Senator, I I hear you on the border. We haven't even talked about Israel because that's, that's part of the package. And I wonder, and I know (laughs) you've been at the forefront on the Senate floor saying, you know what? The house has passed a deal, 14 billion for Israel paid for by making cuts to the IRS. But you know, that's a non-starter for Democrats in the Senate. And I wonder, as we go into the holiday break and with nothing happening how anyone in this town could make the argument that they're taking aid to Israel seriously with none of it coming out the door?
9: Well, again, you have to ask my Democrat friends. Four times we brought to the Senate floor the opportunity for Senate Democrats to support standalone funding for you, for uh, Israel. Four times, and we're going to give them another chance this week as well. So the Democrats are what's holding that up. Americans need to realize that Democrats are no longer pro-Israel. They're pro-Palestine. They're pro-Hamas. And I don't see how you can be both. I don't. See you don't how you think can that for, for the entire Israel Democratic for Party. Iran, do you? But the president's policies are for are supporting Iran. I think there's a large contingency of them, and the ones that feel otherwise are scared to death to speak out on it. I think Israel really has split the Democrat Party of today in many ways.
0: Senator Roger Marshall,
9: uh, it, it's
0: a busy afternoon, as you know, a uh, half-hour press conference there. Uh, so we'll, we'll have more time with you another day, hopefully, but thank you for coming on. appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. Yep, you got it. You two would say? Yeah. He defers to the former congresswoman. Good job.
7: <laughs> um, well, look, I mean, what Democrats are pro Hamas? I mean, they're they're terrorists. Um, and, well, I think there's some questions just,
0: about some. of Well, the House. you know, I
7: mean, but that is such an overstatement, and, and it's become so politicized. As far as the border goes, President Biden has put that on the table. We've got this bipartisan group that's talking about it. Uh, Democrats want to solve that as well. Maybe they want to solve it in a different way. But I think the blessing out of all of this is that it has risen the the border the. Israel aid and the, the aid to Ukraine all together in one package. This can be a win for everybody.
1: Title 42, would you accept that as a Democrat? Well, I, I think there'll be a negotiation here. I mean, there, Senator Marshall put on the table more border agents, more security in that package. There are thousands of agents, thousands of judges, thousands of asylum officers, and $14 billion for security for the border. That's the starting offer from the White House, and they will engage with Congress. But two other points he made. One is about Iran. It's Iranian drones that Russians are using to attack Ukraine. And this conflation between support, like, Democrats not supporting Israel, the president's behind Israel 100%, and that Congress needs to be there as well. Is he? I mean, he was criticizing Benjamin Netanyahu today, or at least well, look, parts you, of his you government. You can be publicly very supportive and hug Netanyahu, and then privately, as a friend, say how you prosecute this war matters for your standing in the world, and we want to help you with that. Ford, well,
8: Blake, the, the American public actually stands with Roger Marshall. If you look right now, a plurality of Americans say we spent too much money on Ukraine, and a plurality of Americans want to see the border secured. What Joe Biden is offering is not border security. And I hate when the media says it's border security. What he's talking about is processing more illegals and releasing them in the United States. It's not about border security. It's about making sure that no one's illegal. And that's what Joe Biden's. But real quick, that's better than, than the current standard. No, it's not better than the current situation, because what he's saying is I'm just going to continue to allow these are aliens in here who are, who are taking away benefits different. from American citizens and their livelihood.
2: If you just have more border agents who are just processing more people, okay. and you get more people. All right. Well, coming up, uh, she
0: is the head of Harvard University. And now a decision has been made about her future. Claudine Gay will keep her job, but consider this. If she had to go before Congress again, if she had to do it today to discuss anti-Semitism on campus, how would she respond? Well, look at that coming up when The Hill returns.
7: The
2: answer is yes, that calling for the genocide of Jews violates Harvard Code of Conduct. Correct.
0: Again,
7: it depends on the context.
0: Now, Harvard University's board released a statement saying, in part, quote, in this tumultuous and difficult time, we unanimously stand in support of President Gay. At Harvard, we champion open discourse and academic freedom, and we are united in our strong belief that calls for violence against our students and disruptions of the classroom uh, experience will not be tolerated. Okay, so she's not going anywhere, right? Harvard's made the decision, but I just wonder if that if that question was asked today, right now, what would Claudine Gay say?
7: Probably not the same thing.
0: Exactly. I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm not sure she would say much different yeah. either. Yeah. Um, and isn't that a
7: problem? No, I, I, I would th- would think she wouldn't say the same thing. I mean, oh, this, you think this, she this, would say it, something? No, I mean, it's it's all blown up. It's it's. I I think it's a. It's a moment where I'm guessing they're all reflecting on how that hearing should have gone differently. And you've got one president who's resigned, another one who's um, squeaked through. I'm not sure what's happening to the third one right now. Stefanik is calling for all three to, to resign and be removed from office. Um, I, but no, I mean, it was, it was a cringeworthy moment to, to listen to that answer.
1: Blake, I, I think part of the problem here is that we talked about this yesterday with affordable but offset, but there is this issue of college campuses everyone's talking about, but I think the bigger issue is that some of the academic leaders are, are scared of donors, they're, they're now scared of Congress, and they're sometimes scared of their own students. And there is this discourse in the country based on a binary view of politics that puts us in two camps, runs us through social media, and then they have this problem of dealing with that in an honest way. And complex issues require a complex answer. That's a simple question she should have been able to answer, but I think that there's a bit of a, a fear of saying the wrong thing for a certain segment. You, th- you think she would answer differently?
2: Uh... I don't, because I think she really does think it depends. If you go after Jewish students and call for the genocide of Jewish students, then maybe that's okay. Actually, we've seen that on Harvard's campus. But if you go after the genocide of transgender students or black students, that would never be okay. So in a sense, she's very honest. The thing is, how tough to be a Jewish student at Harvard. I mean, I went to Harvard... It's just not fathomable to me to think that they could face what they've been facing, where people are mobbing them, shouting shame, and their president won't do anything.
0: That's one of the ultimate name drops when you say, I
8: went to Harvard. Are you proud of that?
2: (laughs) Um, It's
8: called Hamas University, actually, Oh, come on. on, and Gay just found the First Amendment. You know that Harvard has the weakest First Amendment protections? And not only that, she's in academia. And I don't care what the code of conduct at Harvard says. The number one violation is possibly plagiarism. And there are allegations of plagiarism. I'm going to say the following point. I stand by this point. If she was a white man, she would have been fired. Because she's an African-American woman, That's why they're sticking beside her. I will tell you something else. Losing a billion dollars in donations. I think that's what this is about. Do you agree with them or no?
2: I think there's a diversity component to it for sure. I mean, this is a woman who's only written 11 academic papers, which is not enough to get you an entry level position at most universities, and she's the president of Harvard. (laughs)
0: What about this? Senator Rick Scott in our inbox. Harvard should lose federal funding over failure to condemn anti-Semitism. Now there's a group of Republican senators who are starting to say, uh, and you can see what he he said there in his press release, starting to say, yank some funding.
7: Well, above all else, these presidents, their job is to make sure that their students are safe. And um, I can't think of anything more important than that. And that's what they ought to stay focused on now.
1: That's right. Well, I I think this is clearly a viral moment for Republicans. And they've got some blood in the water. They're going after it. But we just talked about all the things that have happened with Ukraine aid, with Israel. There are
8: bigger fish to fry here than this. Title Six protections. Are you kidding me? Rick Scott's absolutely right about this. And so is the congresswoman. You have to make sure your students are safe. And if they're not safe, then the federal government should step in because that is federal law. Last word to the Harvard alum.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Take the money away, whatever they do. Harvard does not need federal
8: money. I mean, That we
0: endowment is how many? Like hand tens hand of billions? Hand yeah. hand I mean, some of these endowments are insane. You know <laughs> All right. By the way, uh, a busy day here in Washington as we've gone through. There is a member of Congress who has a genius idea. The holiday party, no more than 16 minutes. How we got to that number coming up on the other side of the break.
2: One's happiness, joy, and cheer. May your holiday be a heartwarming time to celebrate the relationships that we share together. We're privileged to be a special part of your family. Happy holidays from our family to yours.
0: All right. So before we say goodbye, here's a story that caught our eyes. It's 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 awesome. Congressman Tim Burchett, he's on the show a bunch. Headline, Tennessee Republican extends his rapid fire Christmas party to 16 minutes. So here's the thing. He has the Christmas party up uh, in his Capitol office. It used to be 15 minutes. Now it's 16 minutes. You see the viz, uh, video there. Here's what he said. He said, quote, you go to a Christmas party and you're sitting there drinking some water down drink and some crappy hors d'oeuvres that probably were froze from last <laughs> year's Christmas party. And you're stuck there talking to somebody with wine breath and you can't get away from them. And you're thinking, dang, 15 minutes. Last year, 15 minutes was apparently not enough. Uh, so he said, you know what? We're going to do 16 minutes this year. <laughs> A lot
7: of people are saying, Congressman, you're right. Totally. <laughs> are they not? Totally. Yeah. I well, want to go to his party.
0: You
1: want to go how long was yours?
7: Uh 12. Twelve. <laughs> no. Brevity. I don't I
8: don't blame them
1: for, for doing something like it's that. It's like the ultimate extrovert-introvert move here, right? You gotta talk <laughs> to folks with only a little bit. I gotta get out of here.
0: Joe, do we have the uh the, the Hill Christmas picture from last night? Do we have that or no?
2: Uh
0: not yet, Joe says. So, okay, maybe we'll show it another day.
2: You have to um, think about the interns, though. You got to feed the interns. Yeah, <laughs> we had our, our our
0: awesome intern Ava was at our party last night, but I just love that because he's. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines.